there. Welcome to Beauties and Banter, a lifestyle podcast where we are relevant, witty, and opinionated. Okay, y'all, the banter is brewing. It's time to sip some tea, so let's get into it. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey. Hi, everyone. Oh, we got a third voice there, you hear? Who is that? (laughs) So Renee and I are actually joined on this podcast today by one of our favorite listeners, Tony. Hey, Tony. Hi. (laughs) So this is going to be another podcast party, y'all. As you know, we've done these before where we have some guests to come in and join the conversation. And Tony is with me here in Dallas, so... Welcome to the podcast. Actually, I crashed, so thank you for welcoming me. (laughs) Well, we're glad that you did crash because we love you. Yes. I love you girls, too. Yes, from the beginning. Tony has always listened. She comments on everything, and uh, you have been one of our loyal favorite listeners. So, look at God. Now we got you here in person. (laughs) Um, so Renee, what's giving you life this week? What's giving me life? Hey, first things first is that on February 1st, the start of Black History Month, Cory Cooker announced his run for president. Yes. 2020. Hashtag Cory 2020. Hashtag I'm with him. Yes. (laughs) That's giving me life too, girl. Get it, Cory. (laughs) i was figuring that was coming down soon but i was not ready for it and i logged on to the interwebs or as they say i logged on the al gore's internet (laughs) and i saw that i immediately was like screenshot post it on my facebook post it on my instagram boom you got my vote it's funny because i never ever talk about politics especially on facebook the only time i do is like if it's voting time or if like when Trump won, mm-hmm. that's when I, I did say something about, oh, are we getting punched? Where's Ashton Kutcher? Um, so <laughs> yeah. I'll say stuff like that every now and then. But this one, I was like, I am sharing because this is just all that and a bag of chips. He announced it on the first day of Black History Month and then dropped the mic and said, now what? Okay. I, I, I like it. Corey is a man of the people. I liked in his video where he talked about the common pain people share. You know, he's got a lot of critics already as, I mean, I think even Obama had that, you know, when he first ran there, a lot of people coming out about it. But, um, I mean, I think the biggest thing is we got to get somebody with the Democratic Party that can beat Cheeto. And so, (laughs) (laughs) and I think... It's about rallying people again and for all the people who didn't want to vote for Hillary for whatever reason and and caused Cheeto to be in office because I do still blame all the people who did not vote. Mm-hmm. That same momentum we had with Barack Obama, not just because Corey happens to be a black man too, but just in general, we wanted change. And so if everyone now sees that you did nobody any justice by not voting because you didn't like either one, take your butt to the polls come 2020 or 20, 
Heck, when is it? Yeah. It is 2020. Are we going to this year? Oh, it's no, 2019 it's, now. It's, so it's actually, yeah. 2020. Take yeah. the butt there. We got a year just about to get it going. And and vote Cheeto out. Yes, please get him out of the office because I really stopped eating puffy Cheetos because of him. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that, but I had some flavor Hot Cheetos last week. That's one of my little guilty pleasures, but... I just got to find a way to not think about them. Right. I, I, I can't <laughs> eat the puffy Cheetos anymore. Oh, the puffy ones. Oh. Funny. So what's I giving, it. I know. What's giving you life this week, Tony? This is our segment, as you know, where we talk about what's giving us life this week. Well, I would say what's giving me life. As you guys know, um, Black Panther had a big win at the SAG Awards on January 27th. And yes. with that... Marvel announced that they were bringing Black Panther back to the theaters for the first week of February for F-R-E-E. So free 99. You can go see Black Panther because, you know, I am a graduate of Wakanda U. (laughs) Wakanda forever. Yes. So that's what's giving me. I was like, even though it's on Netflix, I have yep. the uh, DVD at home. It's nothing like seeing it in the theater, and it's free. I think I'll go. Yes, let's do it. Yes, because I only saw it in the... No, I went and saw it in the theater three times. I'm trying to think back. I went the first day it came out. I went back with another friend, and then I went back, I think, you by myself. Me. Oh, with you. Yeah, I was like, who did I go with that time? Because me and you saw it in 3D. Mm-hmm. And then I went again with Madre. Hey, girl. I know you're listening, too. Um, hey, Madre. For the third time. Mm-hmm. I saw it five times in I the theater. I remember. <laughs> yes, I did. I'm not and sure. I have watched it on Netflix twice. I watched I was flying back from somewhere. I watched it on the airplane, like, twice. And I always, it's like, I hadn't seen it before. It's just so beautiful. It's a great movie. I love it. it I mm-hmm. really... You're right. So they won uh, Best Cast for the SAG Awards and officially the Oscar nominations came out and they are nominated for an Oscar for Best Picture. Yes. First superhero Superhero. film to ever be nominated. I think everybody, you know, thought like, oh, they'll find a way to not. But Best Picture, Kendrick Lamar um, and SZA for all the stars for Best Song. Mm -hmm. Um, And... I think that's it. Oh, costume editing. Yes. Um, That's a black woman. So she was nominated for the costume editing, which was phenomenal. But no director nod for Ryan Coogler. But the film itself was nominated. No individual acting nods. But music, that Black Panther soundtrack, I still play that. Mm -hmm. Um, Phenomenal. Now, M'Baku should have got... A nomination. I'm just saying. Is there a best just for his fine? Okay, I'm just gonna say best fine actor award. Winston Duke <laughs> for the win as Mbaku. Okay, mm. I'm excited to keep seeing him on the screen. He's starring in Jordan Peele's new movie, um, Us. His horror that looks scary. Oh Jesus! I'm not a horror film person, Ooh. but I would go see that to go see that man on screen. Oh, Lord oh, Jesus, I want to see him like that. Him and Lupita gonna I be know. in there. I, it looks real scary. I saw like an extended trailer, and I was like, I don't know. I definitely won't be able to sleep alone that night. So I don't know what I'm up to. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, my. my job is another topic, another conversation. <laughs> 
That's a whole podcast. Okay, a whole nother podcast, as we say. Speaking of all things black, <laughs> let's get into today's topic, which, as we said, is Black History Month. We got a black man running for president. Is Black Panther Wakanda Forever Week? So we wanted to make this episode as well about living black, rooting for everybody black, and just celebrating our black excellence. In right, the words of Daylight Soul, black is black is black is black. Yes. And in the famous words of Chris Rock from CB4, I'm black, y'all. I'm black, y'all. And I'm blackity black, 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 y'all. I'm bigly black, black, black. (laughs) Yes. It's still so funny. (laughs) I actually think it was Alan Payne who said that part in that movie, but y'all know what I'm talking about. (laughs) So, yes, happy blackity black history month. And as two black women podcasters, we wanted to talk about supporting black businesses really mainly uh renee so where did where did we get this idea from man so here i am on my netflix binging schedule as i do (laughs) and i had been hearing about trigger warning with killer mike well i never really knew who killer mike was Mm -hmm. but i knew that he was a rapper And he's, um, so I was like, let me check this out because I've been hearing all these raving reviews about the series. So I had to indulge and I did. And to my surprise, I really enjoyed it. He's, uh, on this expedition to explore change and how he can change the world through his Netflix series, Mm -hmm. Trigger Warning with Killer Mike. Yep. And the series really makes you think and really possibly want to join his crusade, but you're not quite sure if you're doing the right thing or not. You know, you're like on the fence. Because some of his ideas are so radical. Right. Should I join the church or what was it? The, with sleep. sleep. The yeah. sleep. That was funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. I first heard about it. Um, he was on CNN and I was like, okay, I know Killer Mike very outspoken a lot about politics. Um, he got involved in the gun debate and very pro-black. You know, um, so I was like, I wanted to check it out as well, too. So um, the first episode jumps right into it. Right. And he's talking about living black. And his whole goal was that he decided for three days that he would only purchase, consume black owned businesses, products, things, everything. I mean, to the point to where he didn't even drive his own car because he was like, a black person didn't make this. (laughs) Oh, wow. Uh, And so you're right. He's a rapper. And outside of that, he is a successful businessman. He owns several barbershops in the Atlanta area where he resides as well, too. And, you know, he just talked about, like, keeping the black ecosystem going. And the one thing I loved when the episode started was this quote from Nikki Giovanni. Black love is black wealth. Ooh. Mm. I like that. Make it yeah. Mm. I might need to start signing my work emails like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> is, your, is this a black owned business that you work for? <laughs> well. <laughs> but, you know, it is, it's true, you know, and I was like, wow, that's great. Black love is black wealth. So when we build each other up, 
when we put back into our ecosystem, you know, then that's showing love, right? And, and he gave a lot of interesting facts, which were about the black dollar, right? So it said black people only keep a dollar in our ecosystem for six hours, meaning that like you go to a salon that's black owned, you give them your dollar, but then within the next six hours, you give in Starbucks your money instead of the local black owned coffee shop versus Asians who are able to keep a dollar within their ecosystem for 28 days. Mm. Jewish people, 21 days, six hours. We can't even do 24 hours. Mercy. Which is what, in a sense, look at, you know, I mean, I know you watched it real closely. I mean, and he only did it for three days. And in those three days, he only had two meals. Mm-hmm. He wasn't able to drive. Um, interestingly enough, and I did not know this, so the more you know, there is actually a Black-owned phone manufacturer, Figure Electronics. And so he was yeah. given this phone so if you want to, you know, understand kind of like how to buy black, he went and visited um, the owner of WeBuyBlack.com. He happened to be based out of Atlanta where Killer Mike was. And he told him, all, you know, here's the phone. Here's where you can go to support, et cetera. But, you know, and so it, it opened his eyes to like, well, maybe the reason it's only six hours is because we don't have enough businesses for all the things that we consume to keep our dollar there. And that's so is it that we don't yeah. have enough businesses or is it that we don't look for the businesses to support? You know what? I think it's a combination of both, Renee. I, mm-hmm. I you know, I'm struggling myself and I, I definitely want to support black businesses, but living in Fort Worth, I'm looking for someone to do my nails who is black because I want to spend my money with a person black. Yeah. Took me six and a half months to finally find someone. Wow. 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 In Fort Worth. Now they have them in Dallas, but do I really want to drive 32 miles one way just to get my nails done after working a full day? No. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I need to find someone in Fort Worth. And after asking around, talking to people, I finally found someone. And it's one of those things, it's like, I want to spend it, but where do I go? Yeah. And I mm-hmm. think that's important because it is, a lot of times it comes down to convenience. And it's like, yeah, people will say, well, how far will you go? But see, that's the thing. Why does it have to be 32 miles? When you think about, um, like Chicago, for example, the Bronzeville neighborhood, Tulsa, they used to have the Black Wall Street. Even in the show, he visits Athens, Georgia. And he visits a part of the area that used to be all black owned. And there was one barbershop owner still there. He said it used to be 66 uh, shops on this block. So there used to be a time where you could go. I know this is the neighborhoods where there's going to be all black owned businesses. And it was in every city. But now because gentrification and it's just not there anymore, it's more spread out. And so you do have to go out of your way. I did, when I lived in Chicago, patronize a Black-owned nail shop. And it wasn't until I moved out to the suburbs in Oak Park and that I discovered this salon. 
And she was close to me. So now she was convenient for me. But I thought about all the other seven years I had been in the city and I never went over there. And I probably would have said it's too far mm-hmm. because my girlfriend that came with me, she was like, I really like the way she did my nails. I really would love to support her. But I live in Evanston and it's just like way too far, you know, so I'll just keep going to my non-black owned, you know, nail salon. What I did was I did something um, interesting is I said, okay, this made me think. And it said, is it possible that in a big major city or even small cities that there's, there are not a lot black, a lot of black businesses? Are they disappearing? Are they not here like they were here years ago? Mm -hmm. So I went to the trusty dusty interwebs. (laughs) <laughs> and looked up a couple of businesses in my community, and which is Bronzeville. So I, I live in Bronzeville, and I found that for restaurants, there was 10-plus black-owned restaurants. There were 10-plus black-owned banks, which surprised me. I didn't know that. There were mm-hmm. about seven black beauty supply stores. There are five black-owned Black-owned beauty supply stores? Yes, black-owned. Mm-hmm. Yes, I specifically typed in the words black-owned. Black mm-hmm. owned. But my question is, even if they're black owned, are they selling black products, black owned products? Right. So that's the difference. Um, Mm. And then black owned mechanics, there were 10 plus black owned Mm. grocery stores were two. Mm. You mentioned something right there about are they selling black products? So thinking back on the show. So when Killer Mike found black owned restaurants, his next struggle became where was the food sourced from Mm -hmm. because when he first sat down with the guy he's like oh black owned restaurants and he was like yeah but you know where they get their produce from where they get their meat from are they from black farms and he was like oh wow (laughs) and so that's how he only ended up with one solid meal during those three days it wasn't until he got to Athens Georgia and he found Miss Ethel who was 80 some years old who had a local urban garden, if you will, that she tended to herself, spinach, greens, everything she made there. And she owned her own company, Soul Food with a Twist. And that was when he was able to say, this is a full Black-owned meal. Because he mm-hmm. went to a barbecue shop and he went to eat. And then his his um, partner who's also his fellow bandmate, because Killer Mike is in a rap duo called Run the Jewels, was like, so do you know if they got it from a black farm? And he was like, man. And when he went to ask the owner, he was like, no, you know, like I get my meat and produce from wherever. But why does it take us having to have the Miss Ethels to get it? Right. And there aren't enough Miss Ethels Mm -hmm. around. Well, one of the things Killer Mike did say in the episode is that he was saying back in the day, segregation, where we were basically forced to keep the dollar in the black community. Right. I mean, if you think about that, is is that we couldn't go to a white restaurant. We couldn't go to a white hair salon. We couldn't go to, not that we would go now, but that's a whole nother (laughs) podcast. (laughs) Um, (laughs) <laughs> uh, I'll go to a white hair salon if it's a black girl in there doing hair. <laughs> right, right, right. I got a host. So there's story. a lot of places that we couldn't go to, so we had to make and develop our own. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely see that. Why aren't there a lot of Miss Apples? Yeah, that's why. 
Well, and, you know, the Miss Ethels have been pushed out, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if you study, and we don't have to get into it here, but just Google the Black Wall Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Like you mentioned, Bronzeville. Google Bronzeville, Chicago, and the history of there. Gentrification came around, zoning. So many things started getting in the way. I would like to think that it wasn't just that Black people decided to stop supporting each other, but as zoning occurred, housing projects closed up, you know, and they move you out to the suburbs, even in like Michelle Obama's book. Remember when she talked about how her school started to really integrate more and this black neighborhood of South Shore started becoming more white. And then when certain government funded housing started to be pulled away from them, they pushed people out to the suburbs. Mm -hmm. So now where you wanted to visit your black mechanic and your black owned grocery store. Now you were in country club Hills where there weren't any. And so, you know, politics and it really got in the way. And so I think now that segregation and Jim Crow and all of that is over. We as black people have the freedom to rebuild that again. And this is where it goes back to the, are we going to do it or are we going to settle for what's convenient, well, what's easy or whatever? And I would agree with, with that. But there's also another component of it, too, that must be considered in that sometimes we don't think what we have to offer is good enough or that we're not giving the feedback that our community needs to make our product either better or equally as competitive. Mm. I take it from a perspective of when I went to go seek my education. I went to uh, an HBCU, Historically Black College University, Jackson State University, the I love. Shout out to you, Jackson State, because I love you. (laughs) But there are some people who feel like our universities offer an education that is less than or Mm. substandard or easier. Yeah. And where we get that mindset from, I don't know, because those are the same institutions that educated our leaders. That's right. But You're for right. some reason... Say, that, girl, for the, say have, it again for the people in the back. <laughs> okay. Third they are, Marshall, they are the, they're they the same HBCUs. institution that educate these leaders. And I don't know where this mentality um, came from that shows us that, oh, if we go the direction of someone outside of our race yeah. or someone or an entity that is less melanated, it'll give us better or a leg up. But that that... Mentality is prevalent within our own community. I've had to defend my degree to people who look like me more so than I've had to do that the people who don't. And it's really sad. Wow. You're right. I, I would agree. And I think educational institutions are a perfect example of that. Because one thing I recall um, in the show when Killer Mike went to go visit a black owned restaurant that was run by someone that was a member of the Nation of Islam. He talked about, you know, we don't hate the other races. We just love ourselves better. Right. And he said that, you know, Farrakhan and they were always like the white people. They've been successful. Let's model what they do before ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so I think an educational institution is a great example. I went to a PWI, predominantly white, you know, a PW, predominantly white institution. Sorry. And um, I think what you see is that. The Texas A&M's, the SMU's, the Princeton's, it's like, okay, they've done some well. They've produced these people, this, this, this. 
Well, you're right. The black institutions have done the same. Mm -hmm. Not just our leaders from back in the day, our current leaders have been educated through their people we love and respect. Felicia Rashad, you know, a lot of people, I'm sure you know way more than me, that have gone, list them out. Who? Listen, Diddy. Yeah, Chadwick Boseman. To Howard. Who? Diddy is a music mogul that went to Howard. Yeah. And so that's where he got his business savvy from. And you're right, T'Challa, Chadwick Boseman, the actor from Black Panther, went to Howard. But you're right. I mean, they modeled it in a sense, too. So why are we so quick to think that the black colleges haven't kept up with the same um, system that the white universities have to produce successful people? But But in addition to that, the reality is that people outside of the African-American community, they understand that and are now coming to the HBCUs to get educated for free because they're the minorities now. You're right. I remember when I um, was in undergrad and I went down to Preview A&M, you know, we'd go down there for parties and everything because it was only 45 minutes down the road. And I was seeing white people and stuff and I was like, what are they doing here? And somebody was like, white people go. Right. They were like, here for the band, here for the engineer program. The golf team, the tennis (laughs) team, bowling team. They they integrating our schools. Yeah. And that's when I started to realize then I was talking to more people and like, oh, okay. Well, just like how I'm a little spot up in this white university. They do the same thing. I chose this for a specific reason. They chose it for that. And so you're right. Like, it shouldn't be looked at, well, okay, I know going to this white university, I'm the minority, but it has this best program. You you see white people don't see it as less than. Because mm-hmm. if they did, they'd be like, oh, that's for black folks. Right. right. No, it's a good school with a certain program that's going to fit my needs. So that's a good point, <laughs> you know. And thinking about Bennett College, mm-hmm. you know, Thinking about they're in the state where they are now, where they need money. Thinking about um, Morris Brown. I think they closed down. Um, I think about Grambling. They're still around, but I know like dorms are in bad condition. So you think about some of these things, and I think those are the negative things. And I think that can also speak to are people putting back into there, right? And I, I know you can say speak that. to that because I know that that's a struggle. I don't know that about much about that, but it seems to be alumni yep. putting back into the university to keep the legacy going is part and of that. And does that come from like not really believing in it? And that is part of the problem. It's like, hey, you've got to give back. And like I say to myself, I have a degree from Jackson State University. A lot of people who don't know me Intimately, do not realize I have a master's from a PWI. Yeah, I never talk about it right. because Jackson State educated me. Mm-hmm. But I give back to my university. But for every one alumni giving, how many are not giving? And that's part of it. You know, we don't, we haven't been taught to uh, establish the endowments that are continuously giving yes. back versus the one-time donation or the annual contribution. Right. So we have to. Um, educate our community to build those things but again it's the importance of that you know it shouldn't be that oh we're about to close so let's rally and raise you know a million dollars to save the school and can we do it absolutely because we get it done but why does it have to get to that point and then why do they have to go to i'm gonna just say it white people in a sense for the handout 
because I saw the news this week where Papa John's donated five hundred thousand dollars towards being in college, and we well, know they kind of had to. Huh? <laughs> Well, right. Kind of had to for their image. Yeah, and you know, your girl Bozama St. John is working for the marketing agency that's representing them now because she got flack for that. So I'm sure she had something to do with that. But we all know the racist CEO who had to step down and how Papa John's continued to be a big sponsor of the NFL after the Kaepernick stuff. So, like, that kind of sucks, right? Because, you know, in a sense, it's them using. Been right. at college in a sense to be like, look, we not racist no more. We're changing, yeah. you know. But you're right. Why couldn't it be the black owned pizza? What is um? What did your boy Herman Cain start? Oh Lord, Godfather's mm-hmm. Pizza. He <laughs> Domino. <laughs> is that the man who wrote? What's the black man y'all that ran against Donald Trump? That's Herman Cain. Herman Cain. Yeah, he owned. Mm-hmm. Did he own pizza? I think he. No, did. no, not. No. Who was the doctor? Ben Carson was the doctor. Yes, Herman Cain. Remember, he got thrown out early in the race. He stepped yeah. down because of some sexual assault claims. He owned Godfather's Pizza. Anyway, oh, I didn't I'm, know that. I'm digressing. But, you know, it would have been nice for a Black-owned, you know, corporations to do that. And so this goes back to, like, that quote about Black wealth. At the end of the day, this is about wealth because you are right. As a person who went to Texas A&M, who received several scholarships that were part of endowments and foundations, white people in this country specifically have had that kind of long wealth. Wealth. You know, these people are being born into wealth. And we as black people, we have to do that. We can't just leave it to Beyonce and Jay-Z and the Carters and, you know, and just or even just that it can be left to entertainment. So it's amazing to see black millionaires and billionaires now and think about their children and think about their legacy. And Oprah is a perfect example of that. Between the school, the scholarships that she has set up in Morehouse, she will continue to be able to educate black men for years on end with the, yeah. with that endowment. But it, it that we, we have to do that. And I think that was Killer Mike's whole point is that we if we keep our money in our ecosystem... Even when you get money from a non-black person, like, are you putting it back into black people so that they can become the next Oprah with their black owned broadcasting company and TV show? You know, I agree to that. Um, That's a good point. And what I've done is I took that a little step further because what I found is, yes, there are businesses that are out there. Yes, there are universities that are out there as well, too. Yeah. But why are we not continuing that? Why are we not supporting that? So I asked, I did have a chance to ask some friends. Um, and what I found from them is that some of the things that they said was, oh, the service sucked or the oh, company has, that. never has anything in stock or the wait was too long. So they took their money elsewhere. So my question back to them is, did you take time to offer feedback? Mm-hmm. Or, or my thing you- is, Businesses because of those few experiences. When the target line is too long, do you boycott Target? Well, I do. (laughs) Because y'all know I don't do self-checkout, number one, because I don't work there, and they're not giving me a discount. But if their line is too long, I will leave my groceries and get back in my car right where they are with it. That's just me, though. (laughs) I mean, I stopped going to Walmart forever because I'm like, I just can't take it. You know, but I say that to say I've seen that. I can't recall the restaurant, but I remember 
that someone put a post up about a black-owned restaurant in Chicago. They were over in Little Italy University Village. I think it was like Cajun food. And it was like, oh, wow, support this. And almost immediately, people who had negative experiences started commenting, started reviewing. And what went from a positive article and a business that people were getting ready to support, myself included, went to like, oh, well, never mind. And so it's just like, where did this come from, right? Like, how many times have you got bad service at Chili's, at, you know, wherever, and you don't go to these efforts. And so I feel sometimes with that, it's lazy. Mm-hmm. It's lazy. And that you just say you don't really believe, very similar to the institution, you believe if something is black on, that it's less than. Right. I mean, but what, what are we doing? Are we offering that feedback? Like, feedback is important. Right? Is. I know that when I go to a restaurant and I get good service, I tell them, oh, my God, this service was amazing. Because yeah. so... Often, like you said, we get those negative reviews. We get that negative feedback. So I want them to know that, thank you, the service was amazing. But if we go to a Black-owned restaurant, why aren't we sharing our views with them? Or a Black-owned business, why aren't we sharing our views with them? You know, Renee, I agree with you on that. I think we're just a society of people that when something doesn't go right, we're quick to complain or post a bad review, but you're right. We need to tell that person. Case in point, my current hairstylist is working on a product line of various hair care products, and she tests them out on us. And recently, she had a change in her formulation she was using for her edge controlling gel. And the next day, when I woke up, I was like, "It's gummy." And I text her. I was like, "Hey, I know you changed the formula, but I think you need to go back." You know to the lab on this one because I'm having a little buildup and it's gummy here. And she texts me back. She's like, okay, thank you for the feedback because she needs to see how it performs. I could have easily said, oh, oh, this is garbage. I don't want this in my hair anymore mm-hmm. without telling her that or brought her some, some of the gel. Oh, I want you to use this instead. No, it's my responsibility. I want to see you grow. I want to see you be successful. So let me give you some feedback. Now, it's a way to give feedback, yeah. and there's a way not to give feedback. And I think, too, we have that responsibility to give the constructive yet compassionate feedback to those people. Yeah, It's funny that you say that because I just had a conversation. I have, um, I have a, a side business that I do with working with um, hairstylists. And I managed their career. So I was working with this one stylist and doing some flyers for her. And she is planning this event. And she's like all over the place with her ideas. I wanted to get this, these events going. And I'm like, slow down. Da, 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 da. So then I was like, may I offer you some feedback? Mm. And she's like, yes, I'm open to feedback. That started a great conversation because her defenses were not up. And I know a lot of times when we give businesses, whether it's black or white, yeah. when you give somebody feedback, a lot of times they're going to be on the defensive because right. they feel like they're going to be attacked. Right. So in the tone that we use, is very important. So I just wanted to add that. So I want to talk about um, there's this trend, too, and of what you talked about, you how you search for black owned businesses. And I'm going to go out and how black owned businesses sometimes feel like they aren't being dealt a fair deal because people have one issue with them. They never come back. Did you know that there is a trend of black owned businesses putting white people as the face of their businesses because of that? 
I believe I it. know that because my cousin is one of them, and they published an article about it in the Chicago Tribune a few years back. My cousin once uh, had a dating website, and the dating, well, I'll take that back. It was a dating website, but it was geared towards married couples looking for date night experiences. Oh. And it was called bestdatenight.com, and it was geared towards they would curate these date nights for you. You and your partner could sign up and they would have these experiences and, you know, you join as a member and then you go along and then you get to be with other couples. He intentionally never put himself as the face of it. He used white people in the ads, et cetera, people of mixed race, because he felt that if it was a black owned dating site, that it would one, they feel that white people feel like, oh, that's not for us. Mm-hmm. Or two, you know, it was that kind of like being viewed as less than another company that was on there. Um, I think about that. A lot of people don't know this is M Lounge, very popular bar in Chicago Two Howard University grads, married couple, but nothing on their website or nothing will really like highlight them as the owners. You know, they bring all kind of entertainments there. But it is a wonderful spot. It's one of my favorite places. And I know here in Dallas, I found a coffee shop that I know because someone told me it's black owned, but it is in the SMU area, you know, and if you don't know, you know, you would know it's black owned. And I think they feel that like they intentionally did that. Like, I don't know that for sure. But I wonder the same, too. I don't see any pictures and all that. You know, we can tend to, when we got our own stuff, got pictures of Obama up, got pictures, you know, we want you to know. Right. Got the Martin Luther King picture. We want you to know it's black owned. But more and more, you are seeing businesses that are saying, yeah, I'm black and I have this business. But because I don't want those stereotypes, I don't want people you know, patronizing me and then not having a good experience and then, you know, dragging me. I'm just going to like let the business speak for itself. And I go to that coffee shop now more often because I know that I, a few years back, started getting really intentional about supporting and buying black in Chicago. When everybody was talking about black house, Starbucks, this, 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 find a black owned coffee shop. This is it. I'm like, where y'all been? (laughs) <laughs> I've been going to shout out to Trez at Sip and Savor Chicago. They now have like four locations. I've um, been supporting him. Once I found out the coffee is good, the ambiance is great, why wouldn't I? Right. Did I still go to Starbucks? Yes. But I didn't have to go search and find a new coffee shop location. Um, and then aside from that, my dentist, my doctors, I'm always very intentional. All my dentists have been black. My doctors... And if I can't get them black, then I'll get them a woman. And so I'm very intentional about supporting women-owned and black-owned places, or even just local-owned, like Mm -hmm. understanding the small business struggle. That's one thing I love about my neighborhood where I live now. There are no kind of corporate um, franchise locations here. So if I want Starbucks, I got to drive a few miles there. There is Houndstooth Coffee, who started by a local Texas business owner. And I was telling Tony today, I was like, oh, I shopped local today because I had brunch. 
And then I went over and got a cookie next door at Shana's place, which was started by a local Dallas girl who started her own, you know, uh, sandwich shop. And so I really love that because here it's not necessarily about a black white thing. It's investing back into the community. And so this area where I live, West Dallas, is being, you know, I guess you can say revitalized versus regentrified. And so they wanted to give opportunities for small business owners and Texas based chains and restaurants only to be here. Mm -hmm. And so every chance I get, I try to support. I went yesterday to the uh, uh, farmer's market and it's like a grocery store. And I bought some like soaps because I buy like all natural soaps. And I was looking through there and I was like, you know what? They got pretty much most of the groceries that I wanted to get this week. Instead of going to Whole Foods, I'm going to go over here, you know, So I think whether, you know, you're shopping black or just trying to support small businesses, it doesn't work if you just, you know, go back to like what's comfortable for you, what's convenient for you, what's easy for you. Sometimes you have to get intentional about going out your way to support black businesses. Because more support of black businesses means more support of black entrepreneurs. Yes. And if we have more black entrepreneurs, we keep that dollar going in the black community. Yeah. And one of the things that I've got to say is that on episode one of this season, Toya and I shared two black businesses to support. And they were both our businesses that we talked about. Mm-hmm. It was her new venture that or her revision of her travel business. Yeah. And also the um, new online beauty supply store that I have, which sells black products made by black people. Um, And I didn't see any orders placed from anywhere um, that was different out of the norm or that week. Sales didn't go up. Get them together. Did you, Toya? I had a few sales, but um, I'm not sure if they came from y'all. So (laughs) (laughs) TravelPraySlay.com and beyondbeautysoul.com so you can beyondbeautysolutions.com beyondbeautysoul on Instagram my bad (laughs) beyondbeautysolutions.com so we gotta make sure that we're supporting our businesses one of the people that I want to shout out in fact is actually a black owned law firm uh, that's based here in Chicago but she is now starting to spread throughout the US she's in DC, Atlanta um, she might be in L.A. I'm not sure if she's made it there yet. But it's a Creative Genius is the name of the law firm. And she's a friend of mine. Her name is Patrice. And she is so sweet. She's doing something pretty awesome for Black History Month. It's called February. Fub mm-hmm. as in for us, by us. Uary. So make sure you guys go follow Creative Genius. And if you need a law firm that supports um, entrepreneurs who are creative or if you have a creative business that you're working for, she is somebody who you will want to to represent you. And this is not an ad. This is just something that I saw out there that I wanted to yep. put out there and share. And to that point, one of the the last thing that Killer Mike said, based on this, he says, I want to start Black Friday again. But he was like, I want to turn every Friday into Black Friday, where you support a black business every week. I love it. Yeah. And so I would challenge us all to do that. If you know a local coffee shop that's black owned, get your coffee from there on that Friday. If you know 
a local boutique, buy something from there. I would love to go get stuff from the Silver Room when I was in Chicago, Renee. Like, I've got t-shirts from there. Drew, when it was time to buy people's gift, buy gifts for people, I was like, let me go see what the Silver Room has, you know, before I just run up to Target or get on Amazon.com. So, you know, support your black businesses. Participate in Fubuary. Fubuary? Yep, Fubuary. <laughs> that sounds funny. I like it. <laughs> but yeah, ultimately, at the end of the day, it's Black History Month and we're talking about black wealth. We are responsible for how the black history legacy will continue. It's us. It's, it all depends on what we do and how we continue this trend and you know, I think we've got great opportunities. You know, the way people came out for Black Panther, you know, to support. We need to keep doing that when Black directors put things out. Even when it's not a big popular, you know, one with the marketing budget of a Marvel and Disney. Right. You know, we still need to support even the independent ones. Like, I haven't got to see it yet, but I want to go see if Bill Street could talk. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You Beautiful. know. Yeah, I've heard so many good things. Regina King is getting all the awards, well-deserved. And um, Barry Jenkins, who did Moonlight, which was another phenomenal film, is behind this one. So we have to continue support in the entertainment space as well. As Issa Rae would say, I'm rooting for everybody black. Yeah. Right. And not just um, quote Issa Rae, I got to say something about the late great rapper, one of my favorite rappers, Heavy D. Yeah. He said something that has always stuck with me. He said, picking cotton was bad, but we picked it together. Mm. And I'm going to leave it with that instead of saying a comment afterwards, because I think that we need to sit and mull on that for a moment. Yes. So as always, if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it and leave us a review. You can join in on the conversation. Will you be participating in Fuburary? Will you be buying black? Are you a black business owner yourself? Please Shout your business out. Let us support you. As always, you know to use the hashtag Beauties Banter. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Beauties Banter. And if you just want to email us about how this show impacted you, or like I said, if you are a black business owner and you want us to talk about your business, or you've had experiences, or you have more resources that can help our audience to continue to support black you can email us at beautiesandbanter at gmail.com. And we'll talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye, Black. Bye. Bye-bye.